Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another great podcast from Doing Business in Bentonville. My name is Andy Wilson. I'm the executive director of Doing Business in Bentonville. And today is going to be such a great podcast. I have to welcome my friend, Andy Murray. Andy, welcome to Doing Business in Bentonville. Well, thank you, Andy. It's great to see you. Uh, we've had a long-term friendship that goes back many, many years. And so it's always a pleasure when uh, I get a chance to sit down and talk to you. I know. You know, I've been looking forward to this, Andy, and it has been a long time. We uh, Just before the uh, podcast, we were reminiscing a bit about all of our wonderful times together uh, at the Sodaquist Center for Leadership and Ethics. And, and our paths have crossed so many times during the years. And Andy, uh, well, I... I tell you to our guest, hold on. It's all I can tell you. you you're going to be ready for the day because uh, Andy just got back from a big meeting in Atlanta with a group. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a lot of things. Of course, we're going to talk about Omnichannel. But, Andy, before we get started into all of this stuff, you got to give us an update on what what are you doing, man? And, where, you know, and to, you, you've had such a wonderful career. Uh, talk to us a bit about Andy Murray. Well, <laughs> my, my wife would love to hear this podcast too, I think, right? Uh, <laughs> to say, what are you doing? Yeah. But uh, you, I came back from NASA four years in the UK, uh, which was a wonderful experience back in, uh, but I came back right in March, 2020, you know, just as the pandemic was hitting and um, tried to figure out how in the world I could retire. Uh, and do my very best at that, uh, and I failed miserably. And so we have that in common, by the way. <laughs> exactly. You know, it just it, there was too much yet to do, and yeah. so spent a year or two thinking through uh, the most important things I wanted to focus on for this uh, autumn chapter. Uh, and, and I landed in this area of I really want to help companies think through how to drive customer centric change uh, in a bigger way. Um, that leads to better outcomes. And so I just found that to be a real difficult space to be in mm -hmm. and lead. And I've seen it firsthand through many different lenses of CPG years and agency years and such. And so I, I felt like I still had something to help serve people with in that space. And so I decided to jump back in. Good. That's so good. I'm glad you did because uh, you have so much uh, talent and ideas and uh, you're, you're a great thinker and a processor. At least uh, I've learned so much from you. And and, you know, I love this idea about change, and change is exciting, isn't it? Yeah. You know, when you think about it. And and retail is changing so quickly today, and I'm excited about it. You know, when, when we spend years in our career in retail, we grow up, and, and we, we see it uh, transform, and we're going to get into that. It's really transforming quickly today, but it's exciting, isn't it? Well, it is exciting. You know, I didn't enter retail uh, Andy, until probably uh, till I turned fifty, you know, and and that's a, a bit late to really spend, you know, jump into a completely different right. uh, type of area. I mean, I've been around retail with agency works, but the agency work was about ideas, right? Right. And the ten years at Proctor was about um, you know strategic learning and thinking, and and you know thinking through the future. But then, boy, you know that first week at Walmart, yeah. uh, that first officer meeting. Uh, I realized I was on a different planet <laughs> in terms of speed and knowledge and, you know, uh, quick turnaround and decisiveness and all the things that came mm -hmm. with that. And it took me a while uh, to onboard. Matter of fact, I don't think you really onboard into that. You surrender into it. 
<laughs> you know, I, I that's how I felt like when uh, you know, Walmart promoted me to an officer of the company. I showed up in uh, the home office in Bentonville, Arkansas, and my very first management officer meeting, uh, I I like, okay, I don't know where I'm at. And, you know, you're right. You just have to give in. Well, that, yeah. that's exactly right. You yeah. don't really feel it until... Yeah. You get to that first officer meeting and you've got, I don't know, a couple hundred people there in right. the speed and precision mm. and the questions mm. and the knowledge you have to be on top yeah. of your business every single week. Yeah. And I just thought, how do these people do this? Yeah. And it's crazy. And yeah. and you, you really don't see many officers show up and say, they get asked if you're running hard lines and you get a question from Doug or whoever, yeah. it's like, how's, tell me about what's going on hard lines. You know, could you imagine someone saying... Well, yeah, it's going pretty well, I think. Uh, you know, maybe somewhere between a two and eight comp. I'm not sure, but you know, yeah. when things are going on track, I'll check with my team and get back to you on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How long would that last? Yeah. Uh, well, I hope you have a great career after that, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna get we're gonna dive in, now, Andy. Uh, I want you to talk a bit about your company, BitQuest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've 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 looked at your company in detail. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh, you're right. You've you you know. So share share about what you're doing with BitQuest, and then that's going to get us uh, into some areas around omnichannel. We're also going to get into this whole area around around retail media. We're gonna we're gonna dive in deep. So hang on. But let's talk about BitQuest a moment. I think that's a great foundation for us. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I started thinking about BitQuest when I was still back in ASDA, and um, I was the chief customer officer, which is a different kind of role than you see in a lot of the U.S.-based retailers. I think it's moving more toward that direction. That had been uh, a way they had structured leadership and ASDA and most of the other big grocery retailers in the U.K. around that concept. So it brought together all the areas that really touched the customer. So I had the product side of uh, private label, the the customer experience side of the uh, platforms and e-commerce and such, in addition to pricing strategy and corporate affairs and PR and, and areas that touch a customer, which is a broader remit than a typical CMO you know, type role. And I learned quite a bit about um, how to think more holistically around change that has to happen to improve the customer experience. And the customer experience is one of those things that really is driving a lot of culture and uh, corporate agendas today. Mm-hmm. But how do you do that? Because in operational changes and things like that. It's you, you, you put a business case forward, it's based on reduction of hours or you know something very granular, but how do you figure out what the customer is going to do or respond to something that you haven't done before, right? Very difficult to measure. Um, you have to have a way to do that that will get the finance team on board to support a business case, mm-hmm. you know, get the IT teams on for if it's a technology change, it has to happen. And so I discovered there's a way to do that that works in big companies, and there's a way that it doesn't work as well, right? Okay. And so that's why I formed Big Quest was to put together three really key things that have to work together. The mindset you have to have in the organization, the motivation that you need to inspire in order to do cross-departmental change, because nothing you do for the customer really stands alone in one function anymore. Mm. You have to create change across mm. multiple functions. So it's a different a way you have to think about um, piloting work. Right? You can't go off in a solo a silo somewhere and pop up you know, six months later with a new idea. It needs to be informed by the way the organization is working today in order to have mm. that buy-in. And then method. The last piece of method is how can you simplify this mm. so that you can get traction in a faster way? So that's what it is. Method, mindset, motivation. 
coming together to answer the big questions that you have to answer in order to get focused on the customer. You know, Andy, uh, I think a lot of companies today, especially retail, they're they're asking the big question about omnichannel. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's it's you know I, I quoted um, a quote from Tom Mars at Walmart. Uh, I read an I was reading an article. I had Kim Susu here in the studio, uh, and you know, and she quoted him. But he said, "The closest store is in your pocket." Talking about your phone, right? Okay, you know, when when I read that quote, it's it, it's I had to step back a moment, mm-hmm. and then when I I was looking at uh, what you do, mm-hmm. I thought of that quote. Right. So let's do this. For the people listening, and a lot of retailers, a lot of suppliers are listening uh, and watching, uh, they're trying to figure out omnichannel. And, you know, this, the integration, all the stuff we do from, you know, in-store, delivery, online, drones, drones dropping stuff out of the sky, all this stuff. And then you got the customer, and she's trying to figure it all out and you know is she picking up if it's going to deliver it is she going to brick and mortar so with that talk about how you would if if you if you're one of the retailers and one uh today or one of the suppliers how do you use your formula to think through this that's a great question andy i think for me the most important thing is to get real clarity around what is the biggest problem the customer has that's worth solving, right? So I think all innovation, all change, any of the way forward in omni-channel has to start with what's the customer problem that you're trying to solve and is it worth solving, right? Loads and loads of things are out there, but that should give you real clarity as a starting point. And you'd be surprised how many people are engaged in initiatives around omni-channel, but they don't have real clarity on how does this solve the customer's problem, right? That sounds simple, but it's, it's really powerful. The second thing that goes with that, the what I call you have to have an A to B. You know, where where am I today and where am I going? Right. I start with what's the customer problem we're solving, and then I paint a picture of what's the outcome that I really want to have. Right. And is that outcome as big as it could be? Can I 10x that outcome? Right. Okay. You know, what kind of yeah. outcome right. is worth sharing? What what would you do that if you solve that problem, the customer would say, Man, I gotta tell people about this. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's an outcome we're sharing. And you take that A to B as your starting point. Then you start working through, you know, what's the biggest barrier I need to overcome? Omnichannel is loaded with challenges. Right. Hundreds of challenges, and you can get lost trying to sort them all out. But you've got to find the elephant in the room. What's the single biggest barrier that you need to overcome? Mm-hmm. Tackle that first and really understand it and then, then work through it. And so two other questions that go with it. These are the five big questions that I really think are important to set out on a journey, a quest, if you will, to solve omnichannel. Uh, so the first two, what's the problem? Second, what's the outcome? Third, what's the biggest barrier? Fourth is how are you going to measure it? Okay. Right? right. So we also have a real challenge in omnichannel in figuring out the measurements, right? Mm-hmm. We get all these new KPIs. There's KPIs for e-commerce. There's different KPIs for the store environments. Uh, which one do I want to look at? Do I want to try to harmonize them all? And you really do need to think through your measurement approach to say, okay, this is how we're going to measure success on getting from that problem to outcome. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is, what are you going to do every single day? And I learned this from watching Lee Scott implement uh, the uh, sustainability initiative where uh, he understood real change happens when it's part of everybody's routine. 
in in that daily culture. You know, mm-hmm. change in progress can't be something that's a monthly objective you check in on. It's got to be every day. So right. he asked all of the associates when he launched that that initiative of of sustainability, what's one thing you can do every single day to move us forward? Mm. And that landed some really interesting innovations that came from the grassroots of everybody working on the problem together. Right. Where instance, the one of the associates was sitting in a break room, saw a vending machine with the lights on and said, what would happen if we just unscrewed those light bulbs in that vending machine? Mm-hmm. You know, does anybody really need that? Mm-hmm. And he took the initiative, unscrewed the light bulbs in the vending machine, nothing happened. No change. Yeah. yeah. And word got out of that, uh, and they implemented it in all stores, saved tens of millions of dollars. Right. Right? Because, and that's one person engaged in the activity mm-hmm. that you've agreed, this is the outcome we want to get mm-hmm. after. You know, I I think of a story one time that we were we were doing a major initiative at Walmart, and and Sam said something that, you know, I, I, tried, to, I tried to always remember what he said, and I have yellow pads full of meetings and conversations and and, and things that Sam Walton said. And, uh, but one of the things he said, it was so simple. He said, we were talking about it in a major initiative. And to your point, he said, now this has got to get all the way down to the person bringing the carts in. And I went, that's a, first of all, it's one of the most important jobs ever. Right. Because we know that if, 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 uh, if, if our customer, if she gets her cart, she's going to spend a lot more money. We know that. So we want to put a cart in her hand. And But he, but the point he was making was that these new initiatives has got to get, I'm not going to call it the lowest level, but it's just got to get all the way down to the, you know, to the grassroots, to the, to the uh, associate or, or employee in your store, no matter what company, retail company, that's going to be hard to do, isn't it? Yeah. And, but but it's a must, isn't it? It, it, it is a must because, again, you know, we're we're human beings and we work in daily routines. Yeah. And if you don't break into that daily routine for the larger organization to have it something be active, mm. um, yeah. it's really hard to because the the daily routines will pull you out of yeah. whatever you're trying to sort through. I think uh, uh, Sam also had a little book that you remember probably cut beat yesterday <laughs> well, <you> definitely <laughs> right and that, that is always every single day yeah what can i be yeah. doing to drive change right and omni channels moving so fast that if you're not thinking about it every single day with a with a real thoughtful mm-hmm. approach then uh you'll be behind i kind of look at it as surfing a tsunami you know and yeah i, I was good my career was surfing a tsunami at walmart but yeah, yeah. but uh you know you get on yeah. the front side you're all right but if you get on the back side of that tsunami it's yeah. really hard to pedal fast enough yeah. to get back on that front edge of what's happening and so that's why you have to stay right. on it every single day okay now andy um let's talk about your your retailer your 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 supplier and you're you're entering into different phases of of this omnichannel experience uh, I know you have some thoughts around uh, omni-channel. Uh, so you you're on this path, and and the end looks like all this integration of all these that you talked about. What are some other thoughts you have around omni-channel experience, sort of on the way? You're 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 going down this path. You have a vision, but but yet. It's going to take a path, a while to get there. So, some what are some of the thoughts people can do, vendors, uh, suppliers, retailers can do about on on this path? 
that's a great question, Andy. I think there's been a lot of thinking happening and activity in the e-commerce side of Omnichannel uh, because you've got much more finite measurement. You've got the data right there handy. It's coming in real time, and it gives you a chance to test and learn and see things and, and understand that space. But when you get into the physical stores, and realize still 85% of your sales are going to be in the physical store, right? Right. Um, there's not that granularity really about you know, how to get the data, what's working, what's not working outside of, you know, basic sales data. So I think you have to start with looking at what do you want to see as an outcome in the in-store space and start with what customer problems are happening in the in-store space mm -hmm. that are, are, are worth solving. And I think the in-store space is loaded with opportunity to leverage digital in a different way. Um, you start looking at the in-store environment, um, there's a lot of friction. You know, when you walk into a store... If you really understand the customer, you realize that about 90% of what's going on in her or his head is deselecting. You know, they're deselecting, they're opting out of all of this stuff to find out what is it that I'm trying to do. And the friction involved in in-store environments are really incredible. Uh, walk into any category in a, in a, in a typical store and um, I ask you this one question. If you were a customer, is it easy to work out what's the best value if I'm in the laundry aisle? Okay, well, that's a common question for people on a budget, right? Which is going to give me the best value? Mm, right. what, what, where do you find that information? Um, can you easily calculate it? I've walked stores with many, many suppliers and some, you know, with multiple MBAs in the, in the, on the store trip by being in store and, and asked that question. And five minutes later with their calculators in hand, they still hadn't worked out. What should I buy that's the best value? Right. Um, that's a simple question. Um, now, in an e-commerce environment, you could do a, a bit more searching and comparing and, and trying to work it out, but it's a little bit more difficult in store. So start with what problems customers are solving, what jobs are they in that store to do, and then try to find out, is it easy to, to solve that? And one of the things that I get concerned about in the omni-channel space as we start to look for digital signals from the in-store environment is that we're going to over-index on the the phone, the app, the phone in an app-based environment. Mm -hmm. And from what I've experienced anecdotally and from some of the research I've seen, um, shoppers really don't want to be using their phone unless it's for a couple specific jobs to be done. Mm -hmm. It's not about heads down shopping, it's heads up shopping. You know, I don't want to go into an office in this remote work environment and get on Zoom calls and, and uh, Teams, right? right? I want to go there to engage physically. Right. I could do that at home. And so that's one of the challenges we have, even with remote working. Same way, if I wanted to go online and be on my phone, I'd do that at home. When I want to go to the store experience, I want to have heads up opportunity. And you're shopping with all your senses. And it's a sensorial experience. Mm -hmm. And the phone is there. If you look at who's got phones open and what they're doing on it, it's usually chatting with whoever sent you on the trip mm -hmm. to say, what, the, don't I'm forget this, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yes. Or you may be checking off a little app that's got your list there that you're mm -hmm. checking down on. But if I have to go in the store and pull my phone out to understand what's the best value, what's new about these products that should be interesting to me, mm -hmm. uh, or for discovery, well, boy, I think that's an opportunity for a smart strategic approach for screens in store to solve those problems uh, and go down that path. What worries me a bit is as the newest thing that's out there from a futurist perspective is let's put more digital screens in store. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've learned this the hard way perhaps in the Walmart uh, smart TV days because I had that network when I was in, in the U.S. Right. Um, 
is we learned a ton about that. And just putting TV ads in the store is not solving a customer problem. It might create a revenue opportunity, but it doesn't really solve a customer problem. What what solves customer problems are giving them information that's related to that cognitive load they're under mm-hmm. and reducing that friction. Mm. You know, that that is such a great point that is uh that you could we could run past as a retailer, as a supplier, you could run past the store, uh, that facility. And, and that brick and mortar, because a lot of people still are going to that brick and mortar in that store, and you want them to have a great shopping, a great experience, total, total great experience. Uh, so I yeah. think, Andy, as you tell that, that's such good learning and a great reminder for all of us. We we can't run past that yet. Well, can I can I even go a little bit further on that sure, point? Sure, please. Um, Pre-COVID, uh, you would tend to do a lot of your browsing in-store in the categories, right? Mm-hmm. But we learned through COVID in the lockdown that you can get pretty well a lot of your essential items online, right? Let's right. change that. So then what's the purpose of going into the store? And if you look at that question and say, well, you know, if I'm going into the store, I really want to make sure that there's some discovery because there's no reason going down an aisle that I can buy routine unless I'm experiencing something new. So I think the priority on browsing and priority on discovery has to go up in and in, in a physical store because there has to be a different experience there than what i could get online mm. that's more valuable to me and uh my belief is many categories are overranged and underchoiced mm. and so if i go into a, a a typical category and all of the SKUs are uh you know just pack size differences perhaps and loaded with brands and a very small real choice there and i don't understand what are my choices what i really am seeing is a lot of much of muchness Mm. in order to fill shelf space um that's not necessarily a great experience Mm. and that's not a good enough reason to go down that aisle so for brands that are in these essential categories and for you know merchants i would be looking at am i providing real choice that's why i think private labels coming back Mm. in a stronger way it does give the shopper more choice in some of these categories. Mm. That is so great. You know, uh, I, I go back to, uh, uh, I attended the Walmart alumni meeting in November. And of course, after we were back having those, it was so good. And and during our time together at Walmart, uh, we talked about, um, and uh, merchandising, of course, you know, and, and you know, uh, Walmart talked about, they have to get back to that. Uh, you know, during COVID and the inventory situations and supply chain, all of that, you know, sort of lost the pat the impact of merchandising. And and uh, you know, I know the head merchant set up at Walmart and said, "Look, we're we're getting back to this. We've we we have uh, we've moved away for a lot of reasons, and and it is what it is. And then, but he said we have to get back to being merchants." And it was that opened up the wonderful discussion of all of us alumni there that grew up being merchants and being taught how to, you know, being taught merchandising. But that's your point, right? Is that we can't move past being a great merchant. And a merchant is not just the retailer, it's the it's the supplier. They both have to be great merchants. Right. And teach the people in the stores and how to be merchants. This is a, a, for Omnichannel, it's one of the beautiful things that it'll be really difficult for Amazon to do. Mm. Uh, You know, Amazon talks about being a store where you can find everything, a store of everything. Yeah. Well, who's got time for everything? (laughs) Right? Right. 
And so I want a store for everyone. Yeah. But not not everything. Yeah. And Good. and so well, Amazon's not a merchant. Right. They're they're a platform. And and so look how how deep do you have to go on Amazon before you find anything organic? Mm. Um, you're seeing pay to play, you know, listings and so on and so forth. But you know what separates Omnichannel is those stores have a chance to really deliver that merchant that that this buyer has worked this category. I can trust this buyer mm. to give me the right choices and the right mm. value. And that's what that's what a merchant does. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and that and that's really hard to do if you're just yeah. a platform. Yeah, you're right. You know, that, it just brings back such great memories talking about being a merchant and growing up and, re, and at Walmart and learning to be a merchant from the great merchant himself. And uh, so so I think that's great learning uh, and a great discussion around Omnichannel and, uh, and, uh, and the brick and mortar piece, how important that is. So, Andy, uh, wonderful, wonderful information. And and I like the way you walk through how to look at an issue, a problem, opportunity, and walk through those. And uh, and I know people can go to your website, mm-hmm. bigquest.com, yeah. and they can look at those three steps that you yeah. talked about and the questions that you brought up. Yeah, and, 100%. And, and I would really recommend people looking at that, thinking deeply about it, and even reaching out to you for guidance and support on that. Um you know, we're doing so well, Andy. What I want to do is this. I don't want to stop, okay? I Because I want to keep going. So what we're going to do is that we're going to have a part two uh, and uh, with Andy Murray. So we're going to keep going because we haven't even... We haven't even got into the retail media piece yet that we want to get into. 